Coming on the Tech Night Owl Live this week, we've got John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. We'll also be joined by Bob Dr. Maclevitis, and then Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine will return. What's he going to talk about? Well, a special top 15 list. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, we're going to be talking about a number of topics, neighbors. But one front and center, this is the problem that every company is having difficulty basically figuring out how to do. And even Microsoft's having problems. There's an article in Forbes magazine suggesting that of the top five worst CEOs on the planet, number one with a bullet is none other than Steve Ballmer of Microsoft. So here's the question of the ages. John Martellaro, how does the competition compete against Apple, and when, or can they? Yes, they can. I think about it a lot. Every day we see some story about some CEO who's clueless or doesn't seem to be leading his company or makes a misstatement. Um, and we wonder about some of these CEOs, uh, including uh, Mr. Ballmer. And there was an article this week that got me started on the issue. It was about Time Warner's CEO, Mr. Britt, who was asked a question about Apple's AirPlay. And this is a disruptive technology. The the context was how do you get Internet uh, video onto your TV? And he's talking about, well, you know, it's hard to do. And evidently he's uh, not familiar with, uh, or he seems to be not familiar with uh, Apple's AirPlay technology, which is a great way to get Internet television onto your TV. You think if a person's a CEO, he'd know that. You would think so. And so this has been going around in my mind for years. You know, you think you think about CEOs, they get the idea that there are other things that they need to do. Some of it is personal. Some of it is bureaucracy. Some of it is uh, turf protection. Some of it is personnel management. Some of it is business deals. Everything seems to take a higher priority than understanding the technology that you work with, the technology in your products, and the disruptive technologies of your competitors. CEOs just don't seem to have that technical bent. You don't run across too many of them who have, uh, say, PhDs in engineering. Well, regardless uh, of what degrees they have, and of course, Steve Jobs didn't have a degree, nor did Bill Gates, the question is not so much what degrees they have, but what they know. And I can't imagine somebody who's heading an entertainment company or a technology company that doesn't have at least a basic knowledge on the products they have to deal with. I mean, this is the era of hiring people who have business (laughs) degrees. We hire the MBAs, but the MBAs may know how to manage your books, but they have no clue about the product, which is why they all fail. 
There was a great story that I referenced in my article, I believe it was uh, at Forbes, um, about uh, how Steve Jobs would wander into the design lab, the the heavily guarded um, room that's more difficult to get into than the situation room in the White House. And he would sit back and and, and basically, you know, talk to Jonathan Ive, look at the products, roll them around in his head, inspect it, touch it. He'd say something like, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't have the right tactile touch. Or when I do this or press that, it just doesn't seem to do what I think it should do. And then, you know, they would collaborate. And Steve would have a really good feel for the for the product in an ergonomic sense. And so when he stood up at a keynote presentation, he'd already been down that road and he already knew what was important to say about this product because it, it it instantiated his feelings about how to use the product. CEOs and other companies don't do that. They they get you know to be sarcastic and snarky, you know, they spend too much time playing golf. Or they rely uh, on their assistants, their executive assistants, or their PR division to write their speeches without knowing what they're doing. And I see an example of this in HP. HP has been looking for direction for a long time. They got Meg Whitman, who, of course, did very well, I guess, as CEO of eBay, although she was there when they bought Skype, which wasn't the best purchase on the planet. But she has no vision for HP. She has no clue of what they do or how they do it. She may have business management experience, but that's not the key. She's got to know something about personal computers, about printers, about services, about servers. What does she know? Nothing. Well, that was number two on my list. Have personal metrics. You have to have standards. You have to have been down a road, uh, made choices, uh, learned a few things so that you can look at something and digest it and have a standard. I think there are a lot of CEOs who attend a product briefing and they look at the product and they they see the product manager talk about it and they say, okay, well, yeah, that looks pretty good to me. Let's uh, let's sell that thing for all it's worth. And they don't really have a a way or a standard to evaluate the product. They're not able to walk up to the engineer and say, well, what happens if I do this? Now, I'll give you an example well, what happens of stupidity in that environment? about marketing. Microsoft is running ads now for Internet Explorer. Now, it's a browser. It is more standards compliant than Internet Explorer 8. But in theory, then, the site you see on Internet Explorer 9, Firefox, latest version, Google Chrome, Apple Safari, in most respects will look pretty much identical, right? So why is the ad telling me that the web is more beautiful with Internet Explorer 9? It's nonsense. It's false advertising. It's because they have clueless marketing people that don't know how to sell this thing. You shouldn't be running an ad to promote a web browser. Well, They're wasting a, their money. There's a, there's a standard marketing technique. It's used in automobiles and, and, and maybe household appliances. When you can't compete on commodity features, you compete on feel-good uh, you know, feel good about the product. Right, but it doesn't make the web more right, beautiful. Standard That's te- a lie. Technique. It doesn't make the web more beautiful. It's just a website. It's not a more well, beautiful all, or a better product. It's nonsense. Yeah. Why even spend the money to advertise the browser? That's not Microsoft's problem. You know, people will use the browser or not. They're not making any more money to have Internet Explorer adopted by more people. What they should be doing is making people feel warm and fuzzy about Windows 7. And they're going to have one heck of a time making people feel warm and fuzzy about Windows 8. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. 
Well, well, making people feel warm and fuzzy is a hard thing to do. And sometimes, you know, the, the marketing involves uh, imaging with a little uh, white lie, you know, about how fun and beautiful our product is. And a lot of people buy that feeling. Okay, so that goes to number three, right. believe in something. Um, yeah. Um, how many CEOs do you know of big companies? Now, this is true of little companies, startups. Uh, startups that become good big companies like you know Zuckerberg and Facebook, you, you have a vision. But how, most of these small companies are started because somebody went off and quit a big company and said, "I want to do something my way," and I, I have a vision. I want to do it a better way. But as you look at some of these big companies like AT and T and and Verizon and Hewlett Packard, as you mentioned, and IBM. What are they? What? How are their CEOs famous for espousing a vision? Does this? Does the CEO of IBM stand up and say, "We want to make uh, something better. We want to put a dent in the universe"? From from what I can tell, and what my wife tells me, who's heavily involved in IBM products, they're busily working uh, to outsource and uh, move all their service support to India. And uh, she had a heck of a time getting an IBM sales rep uh, who was in the United States. And here's the thing, too. So with these CEOs, they don't have a vision for the company. They have a vision for profit and loss. They'll talk about numbers day in, day out. This number, that number, this market share, this going forward. They'll use all the buzzwords that business people are supposed to use. But you ask them to talk about the products, they haven't a clue. We know John Martellaro has a clue. That's why he's on the Tech Night Owl Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. 
gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boost resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Attention, mindless criminals, thugs, and thieves. Go ahead, break a leg. American homeowners are fed up with your door kick-ins and forced entries. We now dare you to try your boot against any door reinforced with the Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel pack includes a steel door jam plate with three and a half inch screws, a lock shield, and hinge shields. The Door Sentinel installs in minutes, securing any front, side, or back doors, even French doors. Criminals, be forewarned, your lake will break before the Door Sentinel will budge. Even if you have an alarm system, back it up with the Door Sentinel. Basic products starting under $20. Order your Door Sentinel today for your home, garage, or any building you own or rent at MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com or call 678-648-6757. That's 678-648-6757. Get your peace of mind back with Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel. Always on guard. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. We're talking about his recent article, How to Compete Against Apple and Win. And we're talking about the problems with the CEOs who know nothing, such as believing in something, believing in their dog food, believing in their product, having a vision. We hear, for example, Tim Cook, who's supposed to be the ultra supply chain kind of guy, dealing with all the numbers and the parts and the components, but he believes in the products. He believes in what Apple's doing. He believes in iPhones, iPads, etc. So we have the CEOs who don't have a clue, have no vision. They don't believe in anything except dollars and cents. And those companies that are only interested in making money, we're well aware of. Uh, they keep uh, raising our rates every month. Uh, money is all they're interested in, and we treat them as a necessary evil. 
Steve Jobs said, if you build great products, you don't have to worry about the money. Build the great products first, and then the money will flow. So that's one of the reasons why Apple's been successful. And you got to remember that, you know, Tim Cook doesn't work alone. He's got two very or three very impressive people around him, Jonathan Ive and Scott Forstall and Phil Schiller. And Phil Schiller really understands Apple products. I've seen him in person and in action, and he really has a handle on technology. You can walk up to Phil and ask him to demo just about any Apple product or technology, and he'll be able to give you a wonderful presentation. So He's done you know, one or two for me over the years. He doesn't, he doesn't work alone. Sure. Yeah. So before we run out of time, I wanted to get on to uh, the fifth one, and, and that is on the other side of the map, There, there is the employees. You know, CEOs bear some burden of responsibility, but number five on my list was for employees to step up, especially young scientists and engineers, ditch the snark, take responsibility. If you're smart enough to get a PhD in engineering or physics, you're smart enough to figure out the politics of the situation, to pay attention, to be astute, to learn how to be amiable and relaxed and work well with people. But there's so much cultural pressure in this country, in movies and television and sci-fi, for the sake of drama, to present scientists as literally assholes who don't know anything about politics, can't be smart and shrewd and astute. And so somebody has to come in and step on them and take their authority away from them and, and, and treat them like children because... That creates tension and drama in the movie. When's the last time you saw a great sci-fi movie with a great scientist who was in charge, knew what was going on, was politically astute, people respected, and made good decisions? You don't see that very often. It's just almost part of our culture for young engineers to be snarky and and to call the CEOs idiots um, because they don't know what they know. And uh, it's very counterproductive. Now, we always have a situation here where the scientists develop some great invention and they're ignored by the executive team. They're not being taken seriously, so they go out on their own or they are rebellious in some other way. They're not working as a partner. They're working as someone who has to work outside the system in order to succeed. You know, it even goes back to the early days of the mad scientist or the eccentric scientist, even the original mm-hmm. Flash Gordon movie serials, where the spaceship was invented by this guy, Dr. Hans Zarkov, who was this rebellious scientist. Nobody took it's, him seriously, but he built a spaceship. It's deep in our culture that scientists can't be senior executives. Therefore, they don't earn the trust of the executives. Therefore, the decision-making is rolled up to people who have the authority but don't have the technical ability. That gets your company in trouble. Again, you can't compete against Apple. Okay, let's move on to another article that you did very recently, this past week, in fact. Products I'm wishing for these days. Now, this comes on the heels of all the speculation that's out now about the next generation of Mac portables and Macs, but we'll get to that in a moment. Because right now we have one product from Apple that has not been updated in two years. It's the Mac Pro. It's this big, ugly, heavy workstation that many content creators need to render 3D special effects, etc., etc. You can't do it all with an iMac. You can come close in some respects, but the Mac Pro is it with expandability. What's going on here? 
Uh, first of all, we've heard rumors that uh, the product is not selling well. There's a lot of iOS uh, mania, iPad mania. Uh, Apple's very aware that uh, you know they're selling 15 million uh, iPads uh, in a quarter, and they're selling you know maybe a few hundred thousand Mac Pros. The problem, as I've always seen it, when I worked for Apple and, and afterwards and, and before, is is that there are certain things you have to do as a company to hold your turf and be a respectable company in the universe. You can't just base it base it on sales alone. There are technical professionals. There are scientists. There's NASA people. They're a big Apple customer. There are research organizations. There are national laboratories like Los Alamos and Lawrence Livermore. There's astronomy laboratories. There are graphics engineers and developers. All these people need these Mac Pros. They need multiple graphics cards. They need the maximum horsepower that they can get. And so Apple needs to really carve out that ground and hold it for people who like Macs. That sort of creates the tension between the sales versus that desire to, you know, have the top, best, fastest Mac on the planet. And believe me, a lot of my readers are telling me, I want the fastest Mac money can buy. Now, we know that the recent iMacs have had very powerful i7s in them. Uh, But the Mac Pro is always a little faster, always a little more expandable in terms of graphics cards. Uh, You don't have to buy a built-in display. Uh, with it, so you can connect it to multiple monitors for flight simulators and and display, engineering displays and so on. So there's a there's a definite market for that product, and we all hope that Apple you know feels like they want to keep that territory to themselves and not abrogate it to some super Alienware Dells and and things like that. The key here is that it should not cost Apple that much to make a new Mac Pro. They'll have to update the latest chips from Intel. There are new Xeon chips that are out there right now that are shipping. They have to add a Thunderbolt interface. They have to upgrade to, I guess, USB 3.0, which is, what, 10 times faster than oh, USB 2.0. That's iffy. Well, yeah, but it, it's already available from Intel. It's not a expensive proposition. This that's kind right. of upgrade oh, is great. a no-brainer. It will cost Apple very little to deliver this upgrade. So... As a practical matter, they can keep the same case, they can keep the same basic capabilities, and they can produce an upgraded Mac Pro, and even if they sell 50 or 100,000 copies a quarter, it'll be worthwhile as Apple's prestigious device. Plus, because of the pricing, they make a ton of money from those things. They really do. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer, who does not make a ton of money which is why he's talking and not going out playing golf like all those executives, all those rich executives are doing. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hey, meat eaters. The freeze-dry guy wants to know, does your emergency food supply meet the standards for survival? Then get the 144-day meat variety unit from the freeze-dry guy. Our meat units utilize only quality Mountain House freeze-dried cooked ground chicken and ground beef, the undisputed choice for great taste and highest nutrition. The Freeze-Dry Guy's 144-day meat variety unit includes six number 10 cans of the very best freeze-dried animal protein for power you'll need when the going gets tough. Every meat eater's 144-day meat variety unit comes with a free medical kit and always free shipping to the lower 48. Need more than 144 days? See our one-year-plus meat eater's units at freezedryguy.com. And hey, the freeze-dry guy still has LRP rations, but they're going fast. Don't wait until tomorrow. Call now, 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-3663. Or go to freezedryguy.com and meet the standards for survival. 
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. And when it comes to any Apple product, you never know what they're going to do, what they're going to release, when they're going to release it. Well, that we kind of can guess at this point, except for the iPhone where it came out later than people had expected. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and he has a wish list of products that he's hoping that Apple may produce. We started with the Mac Pro strictly because of the fact they haven't had one in two years. So let's go to door number two desktop cordless phones with a Mac interface. Is it only because the cordless phones have utterly hideous interfaces? I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, hey, it's 2012. Uh, These Panasonic phones have their own built-in address book, which nobody uses. Uh, I'm not going to sit there and punch in address book phone numbers for hours. I, I simply want a Bluetooth or a wired interface to my Mac address book. How hard can that be Maybe there's licensing issues. Maybe they're just clueless. Maybe they have to uh, spend money that they don't want to spend in order to have that interface uh, to the Max address book. Uh, but they're they're barking up the wrong tree if they think having an address book in the system, even if it percolates out. You know, the one I bought, you can enter addresses into the base station and it percolates out to all the different remotes. Oh, yeah, well, that's cool, but it's not what I'm after. And I think it's just strange. Well, they have the interfaces that were designed 10 years ago, and none of these companies have a clue about how to make them user-friendly, but that takes you to any kind of general consumer electronics product. I mean, if you go to a TV set, and this goes back to whether Apple's going to produce their own, the interfaces are horrible. They look like early Windows imitations. The basic feature phone, before we get to the smartphone level where, you know, you have Windows Phone, iOS, Android, BlackBerry, the basic feature phone, Looks like Windows of 10, 15 years ago. They haven't a clue. They spend no money in developing those things. The nice thing is, is that I bought a base station and four extensions for 100 bucks from Amazon. And um, that was a pretty good price. But, you know, that's, I think that's one of those technologies that's ripe for disruption. You know, some Apple engineer will get fed up and he'll go off and he'll build an iOS-based phone system that plugs into your Verizon wireless. I have this Verizon wireless home phone connect system that acts like a little miniature cell phone, picks up the signal off the uh, air, and then I plug my home cordless phone system into it. So that's, you know, that's really cool, except the Verizon part of it's cool. Panasonic phone I just simply live with. (laughs) Yeah, number three here, Bridge for iPad. What's that? I'm hoping that everybody knows about Bridge now, B-R-Y-D-G-E, and it's www.thebridgebridge.com. And, and what it is, it's a Kickstarter project to create a MacBook Pro-like aluminum, solid aluminum keyboard into which you insert with a click your iPad. And it, for, it looks from a distance for all the world like a MacBook Pro, except it's an iPad with an aluminum keyboard, stereo speakers. Instead of the stupid mono speaker on the back of the uh, iPad, uh, it closes up just like a uh, MacBook Pro. So it's basically Uh, taking an iPad, and I'm looking at the picture, at the bridge, B-R-Y-D-G-E dot com. It's basically taking the front of something that looks like a MacBook Pro, and grafting it on or allowing you to attach it 
to an iPad, so you get this combination pseudo notebook. And remember, the screen on the iPad is the same size as the earlier power books. So it's, it's not as that big small. as a MacBook Air. Yeah. Now you combine that with something called Storyist, which is a script and novel writing tool from Storyist Software from Steve Shepard. And now you've got a serious writing tool uh, for writers who can go on travel with an iPad, sit on the beach or, you know, in the hammock and write their novel with Storyist uh, on their iPad. And so you can see how we're maybe, you know, inching away uh, from uh, MacBooks. This, this whole issue is called convergence. And uh, this whole subject came up when, uh, when Tim Cook at the April 24th financial results call was asked uh, by one of the analysts, Tony Saganacci, I think, uh, if, if he foresaw a day when the MacBooks and the iPads would merge physically. You know, and you might be able to open it up and uh, boot into uh, Mountain Lion, twist the display around and close it up, cover the keyboard and be a thick iPad and it would boot into iOS 6. Well, he didn't think much of that idea. Maybe he's protecting his product line and maybe he's sincere in feeling that, you know, you if you try to optimize and, and try to build one product, you don't make anybody happy. And right now, there are a lot of people who want to run OS 10 on their MacBook Air, and there are people who want to walk around with a tablet. So he said, you know, we, we don't really want to force the convergence. Uh, translation being, you know, let the iPad evolve naturally, natural evolution. It's a um, lot of, let's see where it goes. And he let's said, if you, if you converge, yeah, I mean, if you, he, his words were, you could merge a refrigerator with a toaster, but it wouldn't do anybody any good. And so there was this uh, whole thing about frosters and, and, and bridge, I'm sorry, uh, fridge toasters and, you know, and then the bridge product by these guys in San Francisco, they got a little bit edgy about it and they made this humorous video. Um, um, so, you know, there are people who want to see a convergence and there are people who don't right now. We're in a transition era and it's going to be fun to see how that pans out. I guess he doesn't want to force this on Apple customers, see where it goes naturally. Right. It's not like Microsoft wants right. to force Windows 8 on both the desktops and the tablets. This is what you're going to get. It's not that this interface didn't work so well in Windows Phone or at least the Zune, but you're going to get it anyway. All right, number four. Four, four. I should do the echo effects here. Serious Carrier Operations Flight Simulator for OS X. What's this about? Well, um, years ago, I got into the graphics, GraphSim FA-18 flight simulator, carrier operations, you know, take off and land from a carrier and engage uh, uh, aircraft over Iraq, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And I spent a lot of time with a joystick and multiple monitors doing carrier operations. And, and it seemed like uh, those kinds of products kind of died off. And I had thought that there was no carrier mode for the X-Plane. Um, I'm still investigating. I think there may be. And so I may have made a mistake in the article. But uh, I'm going to find out. And my next project is to look and see if I can do carrier operations with an X-Plane. I think you can. But whether you've got jets. I saw, I saw a graphic from a fellow who was landing a piston plane on the Nimitz. And I go, I'm going, you know, hey, wait a minute. That's not right. <laughs> so... Uh, 
I want to check that out. And then there are also some iPad uh, flight simulators for um, carrier operations, and uh, they didn't get very good reviews. Don't we need the accessory controller, even for an iPad, something with a joystick? Yeah, you really do need a joystick. And I know nothing about games. Let's move this to number five, Thunderbolt Raid 5. Speak to me. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Well, you know, there are, are some very nice raid boxes uh, that have used FireWire. I reviewed another world computing uh, newer tech uh, RAID 5 box a while back. Um, so, uh, and there are some companies that are producing, uh, I think there's one, I don't remember the name offhand, that may have a RAID 5 box. Explain with what a RAID 5 interface. is to the rest of the world. All right. So, uh, RAID 5 is a, is a succession in the uh, RAID technology, which is an acronym for redundant array of independent disks, and you can you can do um, mirroring where you have two drives and you write to both simultaneously, um, and uh, if one drive fails, uh, you've got the other. It's having instantaneous okay. backups. Right. Then there's the next level, which is RAID one, which is striping, where you write to two drives and you split up the data and they, you can write a lot faster, but the two drives have a partitioning of the information. So if one drive fails, you lose all the that information. That surely helps. We'll get into a further explanation of RAID 5 in a moment with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids. Rock- the former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We are defining various elements or segments of RAID, which is, of course, taking a number of drives, more than one, and putting them together to mirror, to stripe, to being, of course, to copy data. The same file will be split the two drives for faster performance. Of course, if the drive goes bad, forget about it. Or one drive, one device. How oh, well, we've got John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. So with all these iterations of RAID, what is RAID 5? RAID 5 is a technology where you have... Uh, information stored on uh, one of the drives that contains enough information on it to rebuild the other drives on the fly, hot swapping, full redundancy. There's hardware and firmware that sets it up in such a way that the information is is stored amongst all the drives. It looks like one big volume. If any one of the drives fail, you just pull it out, you put a brand new drive in, it rebuilds, you haven't lost any information. It's really nice. The problem is, is that the drives have to be very closely matched in size. So if you buy four terabyte drives and put them in a RAID box, you better have a backup terabyte drive that is almost the, the clone, you know, very the same model number, so that when you pull out the bad one and put the new one in, it sees exactly the same drive and blocks and size and so on. And then it can rebuild successfully. So basically, you, in theory, just make them identical and don't worry about the rest. The, the problem is there is if you, know, if you buy one of these 
For example, there's other world computing cells, the QX2, which is a very slick, beautiful aluminum box that holds four drives. Um, you can um, you get, say, four terabyte drives, and then you have to carve out a piece for the for the parity information. So you get about th- maybe 3.2 terabytes of storage. Um, so basically you lose part what, of the storage. I have RAID yeah. 10 on one of my servers, and I won't ask you to explain uh, that except it's more involved. That, that's two RAID drives, so you get double the speed and all the redundancy. <laughs> Exciting. Let's move to number 666. Time Machine oh, Pro. Man. Now, Time Machine, of course, is the capability built into OS X that lets you back up your stuff automatically, usually every hour, to some kind of external drive or even to a network drive, depending on your setup. Now, you're talking about a dream for Time Machine Pro. What would Time Machine Pro entail? Time Machine is very simple. It's designed to be a no-brainer. You simply turn it on and it works. And it's designed for somebody who has one computer, one internal hard disk, and one external drive. You turn on Time Machine, it automatically starts backing up your internal drive to the external drive. The problem is is that Time Machine can hiccup. Sometimes it doesn't successfully complete. You don't know why. So you wait for the next cycle and you hope everything is smoothed over. You don't have much of a clue about what happened. If you have, say, a Mac Pro and you've got two internal drives um, and you want to back up those two drives independently, you can't do it. You, you don't have much fine-tuned control over when it's going to do its backups. The only, the only special feature you have is the ability to exclude uh, certain folders from being backed up. For example, your Parallels Virtual Machines. Uh, if you use Parallels, you don't want to back those up to Time Machine because every time you make a little change in Windows 7, uh, next time around, Time Machine is going to see the difference and it's going to back up your entire vir- parallel virtual machine. You don't want to do that. You back it up by hand. So um, it, that's the only concession to customizability. And Time Machine has been around for a long, long time. It's, it's, I use it. It's fairly trustworthy. But when you have serious backup needs where you need very strict control, high reliability, logs, customizability. I use Data Backup 3 from ProSoft. Uh, That's how I back up my iTunes library because it resides on an external drive. Apple made it so simple that they don't have these granular adjustments that third-party backup software can offer. But I guess it's better than nothing. And I guess for some people, they don't want to configure, and it's not that hard. They don't want to configure one of these other third-party products that people use for backup. They want to keep it simple, but Apple should offer some kind of optional extras or a special advanced user menu. And I think that's part of the interface of Mac OS X. It goes to the larger question, should Apple offer a advanced user interface for people who are power users who want to access separate features without going to command line, without downloading third-party software. It's all that question. Why not? I mean, the iPhoto and, and OS X continues to grow and gain features. Every time we have a new version of OS X, Apple says there's hundreds of new features, and they bring out FaceTime, and they bring out this and that, and iPhoto enhancements and all this stuff, but Time Machine is locked in the past. But those features are largely for consumers. Consumer level, 
simple features. Now, I know you had more stuff in your article, but we only have a few minutes left for the session. So instead, sure. I want to focus on what do you expect in the next generation of Mac portables. They're talking about a retina display, but that's kind of expensive. They're talking about a slimmer form factor, no optical drive, more emphasis on solid-state storage. What's your impression? I definitely think, uh, in my opinion, that uh, Apple's moving the MacBook Pro line towards the MacBook Air style. We'll, it'll get thinner. We'll lose the super drive. Uh, there'll be more emphasis on SSD uh, as a standard. Um, as for the Retina display, I've seen the rumor. I give it a 50-50 chance, probably because uh, uh, it's a very expensive, exotic technology. Apple was able to put it on the iPad 3 in a small 9.7-inch display. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to go back to the to the uh, company that provides these high-res Retina displays and say, well, guess what? You just worked really, really, really hard delivering us, you know, millions of these small retina displays. Guess what? Now we want more and bigger. And the problem is here, people don't realize that the price doesn't just scale up directly. We're talking about what? They're saying 90 to $100 more per unit. But what about a 27-inch iMac with a retina display? We're talking about mm-hmm. Apple spending, what, two, $300 more? So uh, Retina Display, uh, I wouldn't get my hopes up. It'd be certainly nice, but I don't think it's a lock. Uh, certainly losing the SuperDrive is uh, definitely a lock. Now, USB 3 is interesting. I've seen some uh, suggestions from from Tim Cook that he's taking a more pragmatic approach to things. I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Cook said, look, uh, Thunderbolt is great. Uh, but products are slow coming. Um, we still have a ways to go before Thunderbolt can replace Firewire. Um, our customers um, have lots of options for USB 3. Um, let's go ahead. You know, it's built into the Ivy Bridge chip. Intel is probably politicking with Apple to uh, promote USB 3 because these are very popular computers. And the other question is, of course, and the fact is that Apple pioneered USB on the Mac even when nobody paid attention on Windows. It appeared on the Mac with the first iMac mm-hmm. in 1998, and everyone went to USB. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw USB 3. I think it would be very welcome. Uh, I think if Steve Jobs were still the CEO, he would say, you know, this is nonsense. Thunderbolt's the future. And we're not going to even mess with USB 3. But I, I give USB 3 uh, a better than 50-50 chance of showing up on these uh, new MacBook Pros. And for anybody, it won't mean anything in terms of using your existing USB devices. The key is here, you buy a USB 3 drive, well, suddenly it's faster, it's bigger, it's better. And sure, it's not going to be Thunderbolt, but in terms of the speed of any conceivable hard drive out there, USB 3 will probably be sufficient. It'll be a lot cheaper, much important, a lot cheaper, because adding the Thunderbolt circuitry costs money, buying the Thunderbolt cables costs money. It's not an easy thing. Here's something that's an easy question for John Martellaro. Where do we find more of your stuff? I am senior editor for analysis and reviews at the Mac Observer. That's www.com. 
MacObserver.com. You'll find uh, a lot of great other writers there. We've got Jim Tannis. We've got Jeff Gamut. We've got Brian Schaffen. And don't forget our old friend Ted Landau and also Bob Dr. McLevitis. And by no coincidence, Bob will be a guest on the Tech Night Owl Live a little bit later in this episode. Now, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send us a tweet. You can do it that way. You can contact us at Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter to send us a tweet. I'm Martellero. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be on the show. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Let's call this part two of our interview with Abram Pilch at Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about 15 ways to accelerate your PC's slowest component. And that, my friends, is you, unless... You did the same thing they did in the comic book, The Flash, where you take the chemical and you become very fast. Before we do that, Avram, I have an interesting quote I want to read to you, okay? Sure, absolutely. This is going to be a surprise. He's probably not aware of the statement, but it comes from Robbie Bach, a former Microsoft executive, according to a publication called GeekWire. He says, quote, If I had hindsight, 2020 and could do Zoom over again, we would skip portable media players completely. We would go to what at the time was the Windows mobile team and say we're going to produce the coolest music service for your phones ever. The portable music market is gone, and it was already leaving when we started. We just weren't brave enough, honestly, and we ended up chasing Apple with a product that actually wasn't a bad product, but was still chasing product. And there wasn't a reason for somebody to say... Oh, I have to go out and get that thing. End of quote. What do you think? He's absolutely right. There's no question about it. He's spot on. The Zune was a good product. Uh, I know quite a few people here at the office with me who love the Zune and even keep old ones around. But it came into the market too late. It was trying to create its own ecosystem. And Microsoft would have been better off if they just started right away by trying to build it into their phones. Well... There are a lot of things you can criticize Microsoft for, and maybe we'll ask you more about some Windows Phone stuff later on, because I never got your take on the Lumia 
900. But we'll get into that later. This article you did for Laptop Magazine back on May 4th. And you cover a number of options here. And I have to tell you, as we continue, some stuff is Windows-specific, but there are Mac alternatives. Correct. Uh, We will be doing this article again sometime with a specific Mac focus, but we wanted to look at things that you could do very specifically on a PC. Okay. So when we cover this, he will mention the PC equivalent, but if you go to something like MacUpdate.com, you will find that there are options or in Apple system preferences. There will be other options with which you could speed up your Mac. So let's go. Number one with a bullet. Assign keyboard shortcuts to your favorite apps. Well, every time you have to roll the mouse over to an icon and click it or roll your finger on the touchpad over to an icon and click it, you are wasting, uh, by our estimation with a stopwatch, about five seconds. Uh, particularly if you have to go all the way across the screen to click. Those are five seconds of your life you'll never have again. In the Windows properties, uh, if you right-click on any shortcut and select properties, you can assign Control-Alt plus a letter or number uh, as a hotkey for any application. So, for example, Control-Alt-W, you could assign to open Word, or if if you want, you could assign another letter to it. It's up to you, uh, and hitting that will take you less than a second. Now, I understand there are ways to do this on Macs, too. There are some built-in ways to set keyboard shortcuts. And, of course, there are lots of third-party components that you can use to add keyboard shortcuts. So either way, this is a problem that's solvable regardless of platform. Absolutely. Uh, the, the real key is anytime you have to lurch your hand over to the mouse or move it around the touchpad, you've already lost. Use macros to enter frequently typed text. Now, explain what this means, and then I'll give people an idea of the Mac alternative. So what this really means is if there's something that you're typing a lot, then even if you're a good typist like I am, you find yourself having to hit more keys. For example, if there's something that you always say to people like, check out my website at this address, or here's my email address, or you're simply just used to uh, visiting different pages on your own website and you you often type in, you know, www.laptopmag.com slash or something like that uh, while you're typing a URL. Anything that you type a lot, uh, you can assign to a hockey just like you do for opening a program. Uh, so there are a lot of programs that do this on PC and on Mac. Uh, the one I recommend for Windows users is called Quick Paste because it's free and very easy to use. Now, on the Mac, if you go to the language and text preference pane, under text, you could set up symbol and text substitution, where you type a short sequence of letters and it's replaced by whatever it is, whatever you want. There are also third-party programs like Spellcatcher from Evan Gross that also provide this capability. The key here is that you type a hotkey. And it explodes. There's, by the way, the original Quick Keys is still apparently available on the Mac, and that allows you to engage a whole bunch of functions. Okay, number three, employ a password manager to log in for you. And this is not just convenience, it's a matter of security, right? Absolutely, because in order to attain attain the convenience of... um, A lot of us have an issue where 
we're using our notebooks. We have websites we log into. We have you know, programs that require a password. And we use the same password over and over again because it's just easier for us to remember that. But the right thing to do is to have some very complicated passwords that are a good 10, 20 characters long, impossible for a human to guess, and have a different one for every single service or site that you use. If you use a password manager such as KeePass, uh, it can generate the passwords for you or store uh, whatever passwords you come up with for every single website and service that you use. And then you can assign a hotkey to type those in for you, just one hotkey, and and the program will actually know, based on the title of the window you're in, uh, what username and password to type for you. And you hit something like Control-Alt-A, and it will type all of your, your username, hit Tab, and then type your password and hit Enter so that you don't have to spend the time typing that, which is going to save you a good several seconds uh, per login. But more importantly, it's going to remember the passwords for you, which allows you to use much more complicated passwords. Now, on the Mac, we have one password that performs a similar function. And remember, unless you're like the character in the now-canceled TV series Unforgettable and remember everything you see and hear, you're not going to remember those very complicated passwords, or even the simple ones, probably. So one of these products is probably very efficient for you. KeePass is actually available for Mac, Windows, Android, I believe iPhone. It's available across almost every platform, and it's freeware. And so I would recommend people check it out because you can actually use it to sync your passwords across devices. So if you have an Android phone and a Windows PC, you can use the same password file on both devices and have the same passwords. And it works on the Mac. That's cool. Okay, get social networking and email notifications without loading a single web page. Is that just basically setting the option to have email notices sent? No. The the key here is every time you're sitting around and you just want to know, oh, did somebody like my Facebook post, you've got to go log into Facebook just to see whether any new notifications have been sent. Now, you take that and you multiply it across several social networks that we're all signed up for. Google+, Twitter, also our email, um, maybe multiple different email accounts that you have for work and home. Well, what if you could see a little icon in your browser that showed you only when you get those notifications? So wherever you go on the Internet, you don't have to be logged into Facebook it will just show you a little number next to an F icon uh, in your browser anytime you get face you get a Facebook alert and then you can click it and you can see you can see exactly who and what the notification is before you even go to Facebook and the same applies to Twitter and Google Plus and your email and so now on. Now understand that on so, Google's Android platform and on iOS there is a notification manager type of feature that puts up little notices when messages are sent you can configure it for tweets and things like that the next version of mac os 10 mountain lion will have a built-in notification manager so there are ways to do this on all the platforms the point is that this way you don't have to waste your time figuring out who's sent you a tweet or a facebook message you'll get the notifications so you don't have to waste your time going back to facebook or twitter every second of the day and maybe not find anything that's worth checking. But if you get the notices, you could look at them. You can dismiss them when you don't want them. Up to you. We have Avram Pilch at Laptop Magazine 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, May 18th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1591.80. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1631.80, 8.1590 for a half ounce, or 407.95 for a quarter ounce. That's 1631.80, 8.1590, and 407.95. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 37 Things to Hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When the next disaster hits and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, you and your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. Easy as 123 to remember. 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video we've set up for patriots only at 123survivalplan.com. Get inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes. This video contains crucial information you and your family need to prepare for any natural or man-made disaster. In the last six months, over 1 million other smart patriots have already seen this video. Prepare now. Go to 123survivalplan.com and learn which 37 food items you should hoard. Easy to remember. 123survivalplan.com. Again, that's 123survivalplan.com. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise 
raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Avram Filch of Laptop Magazine. And we're focusing on the 15 ways to accelerate your PC's slowest component, you. Now, this is a fairly Windows-specific recommendation here, but understand you can have dual monitors on Mac and Windows. This is number five, number five, number five. So the key is you want to make sure that if you're working on multiple applications at once, that you have them both open in the foreground so you don't have to switch windows. Switching windows wastes at least one and a half to two seconds every time you have to do it. Plus, it taxes your short-term memory because if you're reading an article in one window and you're writing about it in another, you've got to remember what you read. You can't be looking at the same time at both pieces of information if they're not both in the foreground. So, obviously, on Mac or any other platform, you can still drag windows next to each other Uh, Windows 7 and Windows 8, uh, when you're in windowed mode in Windows 8, make it easy because you can use AeroSnap to snap two windows next to each other. But ultimately, the thing that everybody needs who's using a computer, they need a second monitor. Well, you need one. I've survived without one. But seriously speaking, there is a Mac utility, maybe several, that provide the same AeroSnap feature on a Mac platform. So there you go. Now, this is one we all agree with. Now, I learned how to type when I was 11 years old. And my mother was a clerk typist at the time. This is 4,000 years ago. And she bought an electric typewriter for me. And I said, how do you type? And she said, here's how you hold your fingers. And I started with the basics of touch typing. Then I took a course. So here's the key. Learn how to touch type faster. And obviously, that's for a desktop or traditional keyboard. Obviously, with you know one of these little touch screens, it's totally different. But tell us. Well, obviously, for productivity work, most people are still using a traditional QWERTY keyboard, whether they're on a Mac or a PC or they're attaching a QWERTY keyboard to the iPad. It's really, really important to be able to type without looking, to use all 10 fingers, uh, and to do what we call touch typing. I still see a lot of people who've grown up in this internet age uh, hunt and peck typing or typing with two fingers. The difference is truly dramatic. And a lot of people, including myself, have taken touch typing courses in school. That was probably the most valuable thing I learned in high school. But if you haven't, there are a lot of resources out there online, including one that I like called Ten Thumbs Typing Tutor, uh, which is a website that you can go to on any computer that will help you touch type. I often go there to to test out my skills with their free typing test to see what my word per minute rate is. And usually it's about 90 words per minute. You really want to try and get up there into the 80, 90, 100 word per minute range if you can, or at least 70 words per minute, because it's going to save a lot of time out of your life. Now, is there any way to speed up typing on those touch keypads? 
Well, obviously, if you're using a tablet, uh, you want to see if you can get something that has a trace keyboard uh, because that is very helpful. So on Android, we have something called Swipe, uh, and there's some other alternatives like uh, I think Better Keyboard is one where you can trace between the letters, which is a lot faster and usually more accurate than trying to hunt and peck. The issue with touch keyboards is that if you're using it, you have to look at it. And inherently, that takes away from what you're trying to do because you can't look at the output and look at the at the keyboard at the same time. So what's great about touch typing, what has always been good about touch typing since the days of the manual typewriter, is that you could look at the piece of paper, or in this case the screen, in the window that you're trying to enter it in, and you can see what you're writing so you can see the mistake. But if you have to look down at the keys themselves, now you've really wasted time, not only because you have to hunt around for the right letter, but also because you can't see that you typed, made a mistake or didn't make a mistake on the page until you look up again. So that's an extra look that you have to do. You have to change your glance just to see the output. So I think that's, a, that's the real problem. Also, try out different keyboards. If you're using an external keyboard, not the one that obviously comes on your notebook computer, try them out for comfort. Like I'm using something called the Tactile Pro from Matthias, and the keys are very well sculptured. And they're designed to, if you do a flurry of burst typing, it remembers more of the keystrokes so you don't screw things up. So try different keyboards. See which is more comfortable. Don't depend on the $5 keyboard that your PC provider gives you or the one that Apple provides. Some people don't like the Apple keyboard either. I would absolutely recommend that people who have a notebook computer and use it at home a lot or at work a lot buy an external keyboard to attach to it. Uh, and buy an external monitor or two as well, uh, and you'll have a very desktop-like experience, which is ergonomically better and better for your typing. Uh, I certainly like the uh, PC keyboard. If you go to PCKeyboard.com, the Unicomp keyboards that they sell have the old-school IBM This is similar. Feel. This is just like the Tactile Pro. In fact, they have a version that works on Macs. So I've tried it. I have one here, as a matter of fact. It is really a great keyboard. And it was designed by a guy, I think, who used to work for IBM back in the old days. Let's move on to some other things here because we will run out of time before we run out of options. Search the web directly from your browser address bar. It seems such an obvious thing. It is, but a lot of people don't realize it. They think that you have to type in www.google.com or www.bing.com, go to that page, wait for it to load, go into the search box there and type something. What a waste. You shouldn't even bother setting Google or Bing as your homepage because you don't need a homepage in your browser. That's another waste of time. If you have a query and you're using any modern browser, Firefox, Chrome, Safari, any of them, you can type into the address bar your query and just hit enter. Now, number eight is something I'm going to cover very fast because we'll never get to the other seven. And that is find stuff faster using the start menu search box. We understand that. And, of course, Apple has Spotlight for quick searches. But how are you going to do that with Windows 8? There's no start menu. Is still a search box? There is. If you go to where the start menu was, it takes you back to the Metro UI, and you start typing anything on the keyboard, and it opens up the search box. So it works exactly the same way. It just looks different. Okay, this one will start and continue in the next segment, and there's a way to do this on the Mac and on Windows. 
configure your file associations to open documents with the program you want. And part of the reason we have a conundrum here on the Mac and Windows platform is that certain documents will open a number of different applications, like an audio file, for example, or a video file. But you don't want the choice made by Microsoft or by Apple. You want to use a different choice. How do you do it with Windows? So in Windows, you want to go into the Start Menu box and you want to type File Type, at which point you'll get a little icon that says Make a File Type Always Open a Specific Program. You then can click that and you'll have a list of file extensions like .jpg, .mp3, and you click on the file extension that you want to control and you'll see a list of possible applications it can auto-open with. For example, if it's a JPEG, it could auto-open with the Photo Viewer or Windows Paint or if you have Photoshop installed with Photoshop. Well, if you're a person who's constantly wanting to edit things in Photoshop and not just open the preview, you'll want to set that to Photoshop. I'll tell you how to do that on the Mac when we continue with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. 
And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine focusing on the 15 ways to accelerate your PC's slowest component, you. And in our previous segment, you learned briefly how to configure your file associations to open documents for the program you want in Windows. On the Mac, you select the document icon. Choose Get Info from the File menu in the Finder or Command-I or Apple-I. And there's an option there, Open With. It shows you the default program. If you click on that option, you get a pop-up menu where you see all the applications that can be used to open that document. You pick the one you want. The second step is you click a button called Change All, and it will upgrade the operating system, the Finder, so it knows that next time, anytime you open that document, it will always open in a specific program that you select, okay? This is very important because you waste a lot of time if you have to go and open the app you want, like Photoshop, and then go to the open menu and select the file. It's a huge waste of time, at least 10 seconds per, per incident, I've found. And there's another issue, too, which can be just as complex, and that is on the Mac and Windows platform, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't quite get the open save dialogues. They just know they double-click on a document and contend with what application it works in, and this way it relieves that extra training process. Avoid the scroll bar. Well, the scroll bar is a huge waste of your time because if you have to roll your pointer over to the side of the window and drag that bar down, you're wasting a good two to three seconds that you don't have to waste. It's very simple. In your browser, you can hit the space bar or the page down button to scroll down, or you can simply hold down the down arrow button. These things work across several different platforms and browsers. And, of course, even in a text document, you can still use something like page down or the arrow down. Use the keyboard, not the mouse, whenever possible. This is something that requires training because people have been using computers for years. Still do it. Number 11, 
and this is Learn Windows Keyboard Shortcuts, and I will add Learn Mac Shortcuts, and basically, in most cases, it's only one key that's different. So usually, Control is Command on Apple, uh, and but the, the commands are really the same. So Control or Command F always finds something when you're trying to look within a text document, whether you're in a, an editor like Word or you're in your browser such as Chrome or Safari, that always works. Control F, Control Z undoes what you're, what you're doing and Control Y redoes it. A lot of people know that Control C is copy, Control X is cut, and Control V is paste, but I still run into people who don't know this after all these years. There's a few things like this that you really need to know because every time you have to roll up to a menu in the program that you're using, you're wasting a lot of time. Yeah, learn those keyboard shortcuts. I know that a lot of applications, the really complicated stuff like Quark Express, Adobe's Creative Suite, Microsoft Word, they have zillions of keyboard shortcuts for different functions. Of course, you can spend the rest of your life learning them or sometimes print out a keyboard template. It helps. Increase the number of Google Bing results per page. So obviously, if you're doing a search on Google or on Bing and you don't see what you want in the first 10 results, you've got to click the next button for it to load the next 10 results and the next 10 and the next 10. The easier thing is to actually go and configure these search engines to show you more results on the first page. In Google, you can do this by going to the search settings item under the settings menu and clicking on set Google instant predictions to never because you can't control the number of results then. And then there's a results slider where you can slide up from 10 to 100 results per page. I recommend 50. Okay, let's move to one more here as we continue through our list of 15. And this here is number 13 with a bullet. Set your taskbar to never combine icons. And this is kind of a Windows-specific thing. So when we went from Windows Vista to Windows 7, one of the default options is if you have a program open, in your taskbar it only shows the program icon. So if you've got 15 browser windows open in Chrome or 10 10 different Word documents open in Word, you'll only see the little Word icon and you'll have to hover your mouse over it to pick the document you want when you're switching tasks. What a waste of time and how annoying because it's all hidden from you. So this is very simple. You can set windows to never combine your windows into single icons by right-clicking on the Start button, selecting Properties, uh, clicking the Taskbar tab, and just selecting Never Combine under Taskbar Buttons. You really want to do this because even though it looks really neat to have all of your windows for one application combined into a single icon, it makes you do more work. Now, with Apple's Dock, by the way, if you want to see what windows are open, if you click and hold the Dock icon... In many applications, it'll show you all the documents that are open or the windows open in that particular application, so it's easy to jump from one to the other. And there are external managers for window and icon management. Here's another Windows option, number 14, configure autoplay for external storage. 
So one of the things that happens a lot in Windows anyway is when you plug your USB drive in or you plug your phone in, you get hit with this menu that says, what do you want to do? Do you want to transfer pictures? Do you want to organize and edit? Or do you just want to open a folder view and and look at the files here? Usually you want to open the folder view, look at the files and decide from there what you want to do. And you don't want to have to get hit with this option. So you can set it up so that Windows just automatically jumps to the folder view or, if you wish, automatically jumps to playing something that you've put in, like a movie. Uh, And you can control that by going to the autoplay configurator, typing autoplay into the start menu search box, and then you can go and look at the list of different devices and types of devices that you might put in, like USB drive, CD, DVD, and set them to either open a folder to view files or to play or to take no action at all so that you don't get hit with this useless menu that's giving you all of your options every time you plug in a device. Now, with the Mac, normally, depending on what kind of device you're using, it will just open the window of the folder contents. But with CDs and DVDs, there is a set of default options in the CDs and DVDs preference pane under System Preferences, and it gives you the options when you insert a blank CD. Ask what to do. When you insert a blank DVD, same thing. When you insert a music CD, what does it do? It gives you the chance of choosing open iTunes or open another application. When you insert a picture CD or when you insert a video DVD, you have those five sets of options with pop-up menus where you can choose what you want to do. Now, this one strikes me as being very much a PC-oriented thing. Don't put your laptop to sleep when you close the lid. I know a few people I'd like to close the lid on, but that's another story. (laughs) Uh, I I think this could even be an issue on a Mac if you're using one that is not, say, the MacBook Air that wakes from sleep very quickly. Because we've experienced this all the time. You're sitting there on the airplane or somewhere where you're in a tight space. You've got to reach over and and do something, uh, like grab something from your bag, and you don't want your notebook to tip over so you close the lid or you've got to walk across the room with your notebook it's kind of unwieldy to carry it open so you close the lid Uh, but if you close the lid for even a couple of seconds or even half a second it's going to go to sleep by default and then when you go to open it up you're going to have to wait a couple seconds for it to wake plus what i found on a number of pc notebooks is if you wake them before they're done going to sleep they get confused and don't wake at all that's only a pc issue so we want to make that clear we have abram pilch of laptop magazine he's not just a pc issue okay he's a platform agnostic issue and we'll have more issues to cover on the tech night out live America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! 
of the Rockwood. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vol repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. All whey protein powders are not created equal. Fresh liquid whey has been used for hundreds of years to restore health to the sick and youth to the aging. Why is it that no one reports these benefits from today's whey protein powders? It is because they are all processed with heat or chemicals which damages them, making them a burden for your body and making it more likely to cause allergies. One World Whey's True Cool process retains all the powerful properties of fresh raw whey in a concentrated powder. One World Whey is speeding up the body's ability to get healthy and it is replacing the need for many other supplements. To learn how One World Way may help you with fat loss, the elimination of inflammation and pain, detoxification of heavy metals, intestinal health, brain function, and increases in strength, energy, and muscle size, call 888-988-3325. Mention coupon code KNOCKOUT and you'll receive a free tube of knockout pain cream with your order, which eliminates soft tissue pain in 10 minutes for 90% of users. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. I do know that we're talking to Avon Pilch of Laptop Magazine, and we have just completed... 15 ways to accelerate your PC's slowest component, you. 
Now, since doing that, Avram, have you found maybe 16 or 17 more or what? I'm always finding more, but I had to come up with a round number. And I guess the overall point that we can take away from tips like these is seconds matter. So even if you might only change your computer to save yourself two seconds every time you do something, those seconds add up. And that's unproductive time that you're wasting now. Well, there is that. Anything you can do to speed things up. And certainly remembering those keyboard shortcuts and doing anything that prevents you from having to jump to the mouse. You're moving that hand to the mouse or the trackpad. Every time you do that, you're slowing yourself up. You don't want to do that if you can find some other ways to automate the process. And I certainly agree about the issue with regard to learning how to type better, folks. Okay, and also picking the best possible keyboard. You can't do that on your notebook. It's whatever they give you. But when you have the time or the space to hook up an accessory keyboard or buy a different keyboard, try them out. Don't just buy the $10 keyboard. They'll work on Mac and Windows always. You know, maybe the Apple and Windows key are swap, but Apple can do that in the system preferences pane. It's not an issue. What you want is the keyboard that's comfortable. That's why, for example, I recommend the Tactile Pro. It is noisy as heck. You hear that? Noisy because it's using those old mechanical switches like the Unicop keyboard. But it's still probably one of the most comfortable keyboards you'll find. I guess if you're in a big office, though, these noisy keyboards will drive people nuts. But then if you listen to TV shows and watch TV shows, every time they type on a computer, it's noisy. And it beeps at you. Because they want to show you that they're typing. They want to give you that illusion of what the mythical computer would be like, which back in the 80s was having the clicky keyboard. And it's still the case at my house, but I can't bring the clicky keyboard to work because I've actually discussed it with my coworkers, and they said they would kick me out if I brought my Unicomp keyboard to work. And it's hard to get a good job these days. We don't want to cause that. Earlier in the show, we did talk about that comment from a Microsoft executive where he said that, they made a mistake releasing the Zoom player. And we have to look at what Microsoft is doing because there's also a survey from Forbes magazine. I don't know if you saw this, Avram, talking about the five worst CEOs managing you know, large multinational corporations. They mentioned Walmart. They mentioned Cisco. But number one with a bullet was Steve Ballmer. He got to go. What do you think? I think that Microsoft has some really bad structural problems. And their worst structural problem is that the divisions of Microsoft don't talk to each other. The company is so large that people who are working on Microsoft Office don't necessarily talk enough to people who are working on Windows. Look at what happened a couple years ago when you had two different competing phone operating systems being worked on at the same time. That is absolutely crazy. And yet, this is the kind of thing that can happen in Microsoft because the level of communication uh, isn't right. They're just not talking to each other enough. And then I also think that they're maybe not listening to and talking to the customers enough. I am really worried, and I think Microsoft should be worried about what is going to happen with Windows 8 when it comes out later this year because A lot of people in the industry are saying that Windows 8 could possibly be the next Vista. They seem to have bet the ranch on it. But also, it's not just doing focus groups with customers. You need somebody who can envision or visualize what the next product incentive can be or initiative. 
because what happens with the focus group is they'll think in terms of current products. Oh, I'd like it to work better this way or I don't like that. But it's like testing the horse and buggy. You'd want a faster horse and buggy. They would never realize that you could build a car. So it's not just depending on focus groups except for current product. It's having people there who can design the next product that the average person can't imagine. When I was in college, Gene, I used to work doing market research. I was one of those dudes who walked around the mall carrying a clipboard, asking people to taste test pretzel sticks. And I have to say that anytime you do market research, it's very easy to slant the results based on the kinds of questions you ask and what you show the participants. So I totally agree. It's really, really easy to get somebody to say, hey, I really love these pretzels if you ask them the right thing. So it becomes kind of an echo chamber and a self-fulfilling prophecy when you start doing focus groups. So that's part of the problem. Maybe Microsoft depends too much on focus groups for evaluation. I, I think they also depend too much on looking at what has been successful for their competitors and trying to make a Microsoft version of it. So if you look at Windows Phone, for example, uh, the first two generations of Windows Phone, Windows Phone 7 and Windows Phone 7.5, basically the same thing. You really have sort of the worst of both worlds when it comes to Android and iOS because they kind of took the lesson of Apple that we will control the ecosystem, and so they seriously locked down what the manufacturers could do, really limiting the amount of innovation that could take place on devices like the Nokia Lumia 900, they still have to conform to a standard that is the same standard that LG conforms to and HTC conforms to. There's not a lot of room for innovation uh, if you're a Windows Phone partner. And then they kind of lock down the operating system. It's not very customizable. It's got those tiles, which are neat, and it's got a really nice interface but you can't put a skin on top of it if you're HTC. You can't make it look like Sense. So there's not a lot of room for innovation, but yet Microsoft isn't making the hardware like Apple is. So they're not able to control that. And so they've kind of created a scenario where you don't have the freedom to innovate that Android provides, and you don't have sort of the high hardware standards of quality that Apple provides. You kind of have a bunch of vendors trying to go it alone on building the hardware, um, but they're limited by, by the very serious constraints that Microsoft presents them. But what about Nokia? Nokia's got spiffs from Microsoft. Can't they or are they working with Microsoft to build these Lumia phones to be reference platforms for Windows phone systems? If you look at the Lumia 900, which by far and away is the best Windows phone on the market, is the only Windows phone on the market that I personally would consider right now, it really has a beautiful design, but the operating system isn't any different than it would be on, let's say, the Samsung Focus or the HTC Titan 2 or another one of the, of the Windows Phone competitors that are out there. It does have a couple of Nokia applications that are on there. And sure, any company is, is welcome to develop their own application. So they have the Nokia Drive application and they have you know some other kind of Nokia applications that make things a little bit better. And they've, of course, included what they think is a better camera, although in our tests, the camera on the Lumia 900 actually wasn't that good. So they, they really aren't able to do a lot of innovation except with the design. And even then, they can't 
use a higher resolution screen. They can't use a faster processor. Their innovation with the design is to use a really nice curved box and to offer it in fashion colors. But what like what Intel is doing with the Ultrabook reference platform? Why can't they build a reference platform of different sizes, shapes of mobile devices saying these operating systems work best if you design your phones this way? Yes, I guess manufacturers will chafe at the lack of innovation, but isn't helping sales. Who cares? See, there's a big difference between what Intel is doing with the Ultrabook reference platform and what Microsoft is doing with Windows Phone. What Intel is doing is very simple. They are get, they're designating a few specs that are pretty loosely applied. So you have to have your notebook be within this number of millimeters thick, depending on the screen size. You get an exemption if you want to have an optical drive. You have to have your notebook boot within this period of time. You have to have – there's really not that many requirements to be called an Ultrabook. And the requirements are so loose that you could do all kinds of different things. So you have an Ultrabook like the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Carbon, which is a business-oriented Ultrabook uh, that's going to come out later this summer that looks absolutely gorgeous and is 14 inches. Then you've got something else like the IdeaPad Yoga, which is a touchscreen that bends that bends backwards 180 degrees. The point degrees. being there's a wide you, variation of the kind of things you can do with Ultrabook. It's just a rough reference platform, which basically says thin notebook and here's some stuff you should have, but the rest you figure out, folks. Kind of like that. Avram Pilch, where do we find more of your stuff? So you can read my weekly column at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Follow me on Twitter at geekinchief. And keep up with all of our mobile news at laptopmag.com. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. And we have Bob Dr. Maclevitis, author of so many books I can't list them. He has not, however, written as many novels or any novels compared to the late Walter B. Gibson. So, Bob, ever hear of Walter B. Gibson? Oh, I, I thought I wasn't supposed to talk, talk till the music stopped. 
<laughs> yes, I have. Um, I haven't read, I don't think, any of his work. I'm not a kind of a sci-fi reader. But you remember what he wrote. He wrote 300 novels featuring a certain character that became famous in novels and magazines. This is in the 30s, 40s, maybe partly the 50s, on radio, not on TV, and with very mixed success in the movies. And what was that uh, character? I'm going to guess it was Tom Swift. The Shadow. The Shadow knows. Oh, right. yeah. He wrote under the name Maxwell Grant, which was a house name from Street and Smith Publications. House name meaning that you create a name that all people who write novels for a specific character or series use that name but 300 wait a minute are you telling me that franklin w dixon isn't a real person hey some people don't think gene steinberg is a real person that we have a clone that i died 475 years ago and because i don't drink blood i had to use a clone (laughs) Uh, you mean an alias (laughs) just kidding okay so what did that have to do with Tech Night All Live? I don't know, except that we featured Greg Bell in one of our episodes. And he's the host of this series on Channel 82 on Sirius XM Radio that plays the classic radio shows. And there's technology into that because you're taking sometimes shellac or vinyl recordings or old tapes or wire recordings of shows that were made in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, restoring them and making them sound current. So all you need, then, is a copy of, uh, what's that thing called? Sound Soap. That'll do it. I think they're using something more sophisticated. Yeah, Sound Soap is the consumer fix that old recording stuff. It's pretty good, though. If you've ever had old recordings that you want to get the snap, crackle, and pop out of, I was surprised at how well it works just... uh, in its default mode, you know, clean this up. No knowledge required. We do use sound soap in some of our post-production, as a matter of you fact. Might, you might have to. Well, in this case, after this episode is done, we'll have to use it heavily. 50 or 60 different options to make it sound right. I'm kidding. So, Bob, Dr. Maclevitis, one of the issues that's cropped up this year, not so much in previous years, is whether Max are now more susceptible to malware because the platform is more popular. What's your take? Oh, I think there's no question that we're a target now. You know, just all the malicious activity this year should give you some kind of hint that the days of being smug and virus-free are coming to an end. Sadly, one of the best things about the Mac was for a long time, you didn't have to even think about malware, viruses, and and the like. Uh, Today... I'm not so sure. There, there hasn't been anything really bad yet, but there have been a couple of things that seem to indicate that something bad could happen soon. Now, we had flashback, and when you were infected by flashback, you became part of a bot network feeding out false or phishing ads online. But I understand, according to a published report, that the criminals responsible only made an estimated $14,000 after infecting 600,000 Macs. For all that much effort, not much of a return. They would have done better getting a real job. Probably. But you know how criminals are. They look for the easy way, which isn't always the easy way, especially when they sentence you to 10 years. Just goes to prove crime doesn't pay. The shadow knows. (laughs) The shadow. 
The shadow knows. <laughs> you know who did the laugh really good? Orson Welles, by the way, credited with the most famous shadow, although he only played it for a short amount of time, could never get the laugh right. They had to play a recording of a different actor. But you know who did a really good laugh? Alec Baldwin. Really? The movie version, which was a big flop. Let's get back to security. Do you think, though, sometimes security companies are trying to fear monger a little bit too much because they want to sell their product, so they say, you've got to have it now? Funny you should mention it. I had lunch with an executive from one of these uh, security software vendors, and I said, do you know that your PR people come from the, the sky is falling school of public relations? So every time there's any kind of outbreak of anything on the Mac, I get a press release that pretty much says, every Mac is in danger now if they don't buy my stuff. Read my lips, the sky is falling. Yes, and I said, you know, it's one of these, um, the boy who cried wolf stories. I've gotten so many press releases from this company and other security companies telling me that, you know, the... the uh, Mac is about to succumb to a massive viral attack that will disable, you know, Macs all over the world, and it's going to be worse than ever Windows, worse than Windows ever was, and so far that hasn't happened. And, and so you start to get immune to these press releases, and pretty soon you pay no attention, and that's kind of scary because you know what happened to the little boy who cried wolf? He cried wolf a bunch of times, and then when the wolf came, nobody believed him, and the wolf ate him, I believe. So you don't want to get eaten by your Mac. But here's another thing here. There was a story out this week quoting a chief technology officer for one of those antivirus or security companies saying, we're now working with Apple. Yeah, and then the next day there was a release that said, we, we aren't really working with Apple. But we wish we, that we, we could. We, we would if they asked. Right. Well, here's what happened. What bothered me, and I won't mention the members of the media, they run this story without saying what Apple said about it or even contacting Apple to get a no comment. They just ran the story. <laughs> this is what happened. This is what this guy says. Wow, gee whiz. And suddenly those stories are updated. I ran a story the next day where I indicated that I had written to Apple and said, what's going on? They didn't respond. But I'm kind of bet here that as soon as Apple got those inquiries from the media, they called this guy and said, we have no agreement with you. What are you talking about? And this guy was also raving about, oh, the Mac security situation is 10 years behind Windows. So I reached out to Rich Mogul. You know who Rich Mogul is, right? Oh, yes. I quote him. When I need an expert uh, on security matters in my column, I always reach out to Rich. So Rich said... He's the he's, guy. He's the man. He's the man. So Rich says, no, I mean, yeah, Apple has some areas where they could catch up, but they're doing a lot of things to enhance security. And also a thing to point out, the security issues that came about. The first version of Flashback, why does it say Flash? It impacted Flash. Well, Adobe created and supports Flash, not Apple. Java, a Java applet in your browser can be affected by flashback before Apple fixed the problem. Who does Java? Oracle. You know, run by Larry Ellison, a very close friend of the late Steve Jobs. For some reason, maybe a lack of translation or a lack of communication or somebody dropping the ball on Apple, they didn't release the update to Java that fixed the problem with flashback. 
but it wasn't Mac OS X. It was Java. It was Java's fault. And now, as you know, the newest updates disable older versions of Java or older versions of Flash. Yes, I think that's a step in the right direction. I also think that the way Apple handled it, once it was known that there was this issue and, you know, uh, it was obvious that something needed to be done, Apple had it fixed the next day. And I thought that was pretty good. Okay, maybe they missed it the first time when Oracle or whoever it is said there's a a vulnerability. But once it was brought to the proper proper attention, Apple jumped on it and the next day they had uh, an automatic fix that was in software update. All you had to do was update your Mac and boom, you were, you were cured, which I thought was, you know, a good response. I just, I'm, I'm concerned that this may happen more and more often. And this time, nothing bad happened to the people who were infected uh, other than maybe, you know, being a bot for a while, which only hurts. That doesn't, you know, I, I don't know that that's painful, like losing all your files or having uh, your ROM you have that potential. We have Bob, Dr. Maclevitis, who has more potential than I can possibly say. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. 
I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Do you know what you sound like when you breathe helium? (laughs) I think our announcer there had a little too much helium for that particular segment. But this guy never consumes helium too much. He is Bob Dr. Maclevitis. You know, I heard an episode of a radio show a long time ago where everybody basically breathed in some helium and started talking, you know, like Alvin and the Chipmunks for like 15 minutes. Is that how they did that? Actually, with Alvin and the Chipmunks, what he did was he spoke slowly and then doubled the speed of the recording. It was done, you know, very basic technology. It was done by... David Seville back in, what, the 1950s. That's Ross Bagdasarian who created the Chipmunks. And he died young. So I guess he never got to see the Chipmunks' great success, although I think his kids are still involved in that. But now you know the rest of the story. We Wait, were talking a minute. About- Wait a minute. Did you say Chipmunks' great success? <laughs> yeah, I think the Chipmunks, you know, they're still making Chipmunks movies, and they do well at the box office, so that's pretty good. I mean, what is it, 70 years, 60 years after those characters were created? It's amazing. I wish that people would remember me 60 or 70 years after I started. Or maybe they are, because I started so many years ago. I didn't figure out what, what but, you know, there you go. We have Bob oh. Dr. Maclevitis here talking about Mac security. Now, as we're seeing also, Apple is adding to security in Mountain Line, and obviously there are issues that people who have access to pre-release copies cannot say. But there are issues about Mountain Lion that Apple's publicized, like Gatekeeper. Maybe tell people what Gatekeeper is all about. Uh, I could, but then I'd have to kill him. Well, it's online. I can, I can. Well, actually, I can. Yeah, I can limit myself to what Apple has said publicly. That's correct. So let me find out what that is. Gatekeeper's technology that's built into the next version of OS X. By the way, did you notice that they changed its name? It's not called Mac OS X any longer. It is now just plain OS X. Which leads people to think maybe it's going to be on other products from Apple. 
Why take Mac out of it? iOS X. It's got a nice ring to it. (sighs) Yes. Anyway, tell us about Gatekeeper. So Gatekeeper is technology that uses, uh, I believe, signing and a digital, uh, digital key to only allow your Mac to run authorized uh, software. And as the user, you have a choice of how, how strictly you want your Mac to interpret that. My understanding is that you can either say only run stuff that came from Apple or the iTunes store or the Apple uh, Mac app store. Run that stuff plus stuff I approve or run anything. And I think the default will be you know, I don't know. The middle setting. Doesn't I think so. Right. But anyway, it's the first time that uh, a Mac has actually had this kind of security built right in and the first time that developers will have to get a certificate, I understand. Uh, they have to, you know, be approved to be a, a trusted developer. Now, one so, of the issues, of course, involved here is the claim that maybe developers are slowly being forced to go to the Mac App Store and that developers who have products that will never get in there because of the nature of the product will be left, you know, playing second fiddle. Well, I think that's already happened to some extent. Um, You know, new users probably think that that's where Mac software comes from, that little A on your dock. And, you know, I'm sure Apple would like to capture as big a portion of the software market as they can. And obviously, if you don't buy it in the app store, they don't get any money. Oh, here, there's a picture. So it's uh, allow applications from the Mac App Store, the Mac App Store, and identified developers or anywhere. Those are the three settings. Door number two is the one. And of course, what this means here is that if something happens with an application, Apple can withdraw the certificate. So you get that warning when you're trying to run it. But if you've already installed the app, I don't think it does anything. It's a first launch issue. The first time you launch the app, you will get a warning where appropriate, and otherwise you won't. And you'll be able to bypass that warning, by the way. So you still have the power. It's not like taking over. But there are key applications that people use that will never be in the Mac App Store unless Apple changes the requirements. I'm thinking just like the products we're using for the show. So like Wiretap Studio and Soundboard from Ambrosia Software. They do little tricks with extension kernels and everything else to capture sound and to allow us to have like an old-fashioned cart machine on our radio show where we can play sounds and have them synchronize with our programs. This requires doing some tricks. And if Apple doesn't allow the tricks, what do you do? How do these people continue to produce these products? Well, they have to work outside of the App Store. Yes, and... uh I think I just read that, that Apple is doing away with apps that have universal hotkeys. They're not going to allow them in the App Store anymore. I read that this morning. And so anything that works in the background while you're in another app may be at risk at this point. And that, I think, I, I use a lot of hotkeys to uh, perform small functions while I'm using a different application without switching to a different program. So like and the I classic program, like a quick keys that allows quickies. you to do automated tasks among a lot of applications, kind of like an Apple script on steroids, it wouldn't be allowed. Correct. And in fact, I believe that Quickies was one of the apps named by name as one that was likely to break under the new rules. And certainly 
uh, not be available in, in the Mac App Store, which is, you know, that's, that's a, pretty, a pretty bad punishment. It's got to cut your market by some percent. You know, I'd guess off the top of my head, your exposure to Mac users is cut in half or less by not being there. And so, you know, I think it could be the death knell for a lot of great apps. On the other hand, ones like the Ambrosia apps you mentioned, if it's a developer I trust, like Ambrosia, I would run their stuff outside of all this gatekeeper anyway. You know, it's not going to prevent you from using this stuff, I don't think. No, it won't. You're going to have the option where you can just disable the gatekeeper services and then just use option number three. The other ways I think you could option click or right click on an icon to bypass gatekeeper. It's possible and I'll know more over the next few months. But as quickly as that rumor arose, it was denied. Supposedly Apple does have application interfaces in Mountain Lion that will allow the system-wide use of keyboard shortcuts. So there you go. Understand also that book authors and developers looking at the Mountain Lion developer releases, it's not the final version, folks. Apple changes things sometimes at the last minute. You know, he could be sitting there writing his next book, Mountain Lion for Dummies, which I'm sure he is. But what's going to happen is towards the end of the development process, and that could be a few weeks or a couple of months hence, he'll start seeing key changes and suddenly have to redo some of his text. Or do you wait till the last minute? What do you do? I tend to, on these things, write straight through. As the new betas come out, I try to work through chronologically from chapter one to the end of the book the first time. And as I'm doing that, I make notes on anything I see that's changed in a chapter I've already turned in. The chapters then get edited, preliminary edit, and come back to me for massaging, you know, for my uh, edits. And at that point, I go and look at the newer version of the software and rewrite anything that needs rewriting, reshoot any screenshots. But yeah, Apple doesn't give us a lot of input on what's going to change. This is one of the problems. We have Bob Dr. Maclevitis never has a problem. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. Survival is not about the end of the world. It's not about a hypothetical plane crash or the latest violent storm. Survival is about the satisfaction of knowing you can take care of yourself and your family in any situation, anytime, anywhere. CampingSurvival.com was started in 1956. No, not the .com part, the survival part. CampingSurvival.com has over 17,000 urban, wilderness, and preparedness items. Supreme customer service, very low shipping, and no games. We look around to make sure we have the lowest prices. And CampingSurvival.com is 100% USMC veteran-owned. Don't base your survival on the latest spring-up-on-the-internet company. Do business with an authority on survival. CampingSurvival.com. Com. Confidence born on preparation. And now another CentOS game changer with sports broadcaster Aaron Andrews. I'm down in the main ballroom of a four-star hotel in Austin with Tom, the GM. Tom, you've had four wedding receptions in three days. That's a brutal schedule. Yeah, we've uh, been hustling. Well, your team still looks fresh, and I gotta say, the carpet does too. Talk about your game plan. Simple. We got in the all-star team from CentOS, and they changed our ground game completely. CentOS? They're known for uniforms. How do they tackle your floors? Their tile and carpet deep cleaning service makes our flooring look like new. Uh, with our old playbook, we used to rip out the carpet. So we're running with CentOS from now on. Thanks, Tom. And thanks to CentOS, there's plenty of life left in this dance floor. Let's go up to the booth. Tile and carpet cleaning is one of the many expert services the CentOS team can tackle for your business. Don't replace your tile or carpets. Call 1-800-CINTAS-6 or visit CentOS.com radio and tell them to bring in the team with the white truck. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Now, we also have one with disco. I'm kind of reluctant to run it this week because of the sad news of the death of the famous disco songstress Donna Summer. At the age of 63, makes us all feel old. And tired, except for Bob. He's never old and tired. That's because I'm a vampire. <laughs> yeah, vampires are in now, you know. You know vampires, vampires are... big big business. I just saw Dark Shadows. That's a vampire movie. And I'm a big fan of uh, True Blood on HBO. That's a vampire TV show. That like gets kind of raunchy. Now, Dark Shadows, those who remember the original TV soap opera, 
might be disappointed because they play it more for laughs, kind of a fish-out-of-water thing where we have Barnabas Collins wakes up in the 1970s and has to confront all the craziness. Yes, and, and of course, you have to really suspend your disbelief because Captain Jack Sparrow plays Barnabas Collins. It's bizarre. But then it's a Tim Burton movie, and I think that if you're familiar with his body of work, you expect bizarre when you go to see one of his films. Unfortunately, the box office hasn't been so good lately. It's all about the Avengers, which is based on a comic book that started, what, in the 1960s? I think earlier. Maybe the 60s, though. Well, Captain America was the first Marvel character, I think, back in the 40s. So the first Captain America movie was mostly situated in the 1940s until, of course, he was put in suspended animation, which is part of the Captain America mythos. Why are we talking about comic books? Of course, they use great technology, and sometimes they use Macs for that. Parenthetical. (laughs) Oh, good, good. Nice comeback, Gene. I I like it. See how I just returned to our subject at hand. So speaking of returning to the Mac, it's been two years since Apple's released a Mac Pro. You have a Mac Pro, one that I used to own. I do. It's got your name all over it. That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Because wait till you see what he puts after that name. But seriously speaking, two years since Apple has updated their flagship workstation, what's the future? Do you think there's going to be another Mac Pro, or is Apple going to make it all iMac? No, there'll be another Mac Pro because there is a contingent, however small, of professional users that need the uh, expandability, the slots, that a Mac Pro is now the only uh, machine that offers slots, uh, PCI slots, for add-in cards. So Yes, I, but I there are Thunderbolt we'll breakout boxes that let you use cards. Yes, but there aren't any Thunderbolt breakout boxes yet. Uh, after a year of Thunderbolt, the a number of Thunderbolt products you can buy is shockingly small. I think we and could read the name of all the products. I think we just did. Now, there's a couple of dozen. That's about it. And the prices are ridiculous because they're not being made in any kind of quantity because not that many people are buying them. Plus, I don't think some... I, I, I do believe that there are some portion of that professional market that wants 8 or 16 processors, and I don't know how well you can jam those in to uh, smaller machines. The iMac, I think, the fastest iMac has an 8-core, where I think you can do 32 cores in a Mac Pro now. So I would say Apple is going to do it. I think they were waiting for this next generation uh, of Intel, what are they called, chips, the server chips that they're using. Xeon. The Xeon. There's a yeah, bunch of new Xeons that come online in the last few weeks. That's right, and I'm thinking that that was the that was the gating factor, and and that would make sense because Apple typically likes to when they upgrade a product line, uh, upgrade to the next generation processor whenever possible, if not just faster processors. And in this case, I think that's what they were waiting for. And now that there are these new Xeon processors. I'd imagine we'll see a new Mac Pro sometime in the next couple months, maybe even in a couple of weeks at Worldwide Developer Conference. And you have That'd to think it doesn't cost a lot to do this stuff because we're talking about new processors, maybe logic board upgrades, new graphic cards, maybe Thunder- Thunderbolt, a couple of Thunderbolt ports, and possibly USB 3.0 port, several of those. It's not an expensive development process if you keep most of the hardware the same as it is now. You make it a simple, low-cost upgrade, and if even if Apple sells, what, 50,000, 100,000 units every quarter, 
it's something they can make a lot of money from because some of those Mac Pro configurations cost upwards of $10,000. But let's look down the line here, and I ask your take on this. Of course, we have Apple's Retina display on the iPhone 4, 4S, on the new iPad. Looks great. Now they're saying, well, well, Apple's going to put it everywhere, but who's going to pay the higher price of the larger panels? You know, it's not cheap to double the resolution on LCD display. No, and you need then more video RAM and a faster video card. And it, you know, how HD do you want your desktop monitor to be? Mine is already 2540 by something. And that's more than today's 1080p spec. I've got more pixels than today's HD spec on my 30-inch display. Most people who have 27-inch displays have the same number of pixels. We have 2560 by 1440, which is 100-something pixels per inch. But remember, with a computer monitor, you're not sticking your eyes up close and personal. It's going to be, what, a couple of feet away from your eyes, and therefore the pixels resolve to a point where you really can't see the little raggedness that you see. It's not like an iPhone where you stick it up right in front of your face or an iPad like 10, 12 inches. Correct, Amundo. See. So the, the answer is I'm not sure what the big benefit of having a, a retina display on your computer would be. I think that it would be a lot of overhead, a lot of processing, RAM, and, and parts cost for what I think would probably be, for most people, a very modest improvement in, in screen quality and the image quality, unless you're putting your nose up real close. Well, that, I can see. If I put my nose up close to my computer, I would be crazier than I am now, and I'm pretty crazy. So I don't see it, and they're starting to estimate that it's going to cost almost $100 extra to put this high-resolution display in a 15-inch MacBook Pro. Now imagine a 27-inch iMac. What's it going to cost? $300 extra? Well, that's just it. I think if it's done, it'll be an upgrade option for those who absolutely need it and are willing to pay for it. If they do it across the line, I think that would be nutso because not everybody wants to pay all that extra money for more video RAM, better video card, and a, a a higher resolution display. If it happens, I think it'll be an upgrade option, like a pro upgrade option to some uh, configurations. The other, of course, is the loss of the optical drive on the Mac notebooks. They're saying it'll be thinner, kind of like the current models of the MacBook Pro, not tapered like the MacBook Air, but thinner because there's no optical drive. So we don't need an optical drive. It's the new floppy. I have to say... I don't use mine all that often, and with uh, the DVD sharing option, you really only need one computer in the house with a DVD drive. Now, if you travel for 100 bucks, you can buy one that goes with you, and, you know, that's, that's, I think, maybe a better option if you get to have a much skinnier laptop because of it. I really, I, was ju- I just was away for a week, and I got home, and I realized I never put a disc in there. I don't listen to music from it. I don't watch movies from it usually. So I think most people won't mourn the passing of it too much. I think when we lost the floppy disk, 
when the iMac came out, I think uh, people were freaked because we had never had that kind of uh, paradigm shift before. This time, I think people will be looking for it. They'll be able to look at it and go, oh, yeah, well, I remember when we lost our floppy disks, and in about a month, I forgot all about it. And as long as there are external drives, it doesn't matter. And consider this, too. Apple has been selling tons of MacBook Airs without optical drives. I don't know how many people buy the external drive, the external super drive. Now, it's possible the sales aren't that high. I don't know. And I think a lot of people buy it as a crutch. You know, they say, well, what if I need to run a CD or a DVD to install software? And most of it's online now. Even the new Adobe Creative Suite Master Edition, it costs, what, $2,500? You can get a downloadable version. We have Bob Dr. McFlavitis. He cannot be downloaded. But this is the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. 
Plant Skid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use Plant Skid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. Plant Skid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough live with gene steinberg it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Bob, Dr. Maclevitis, another guy, when he talks, you never know what he's going to say. And sometimes you wonder whether we'll know or he'll know what he's going to say. So we talked about the possible changes in the MacBook line. If there's going to be a pro... Or it's just going to be a bigger MacBook Air, no optical drive? Will it have a retina display? What about solid-state drives? I mean, they're still too expensive, the larger capacities. 128 gigabytes. If you add 256, it's two or $300 more. You want 512, forget about it. Well, I think the prices will continue to come down to the point where your boot drive in a couple of years will almost surely be solid-state drive. I've been using a hybrid I got a, a Momentus XT, a Seagate Momentus XT, which is a hybrid drive. It's got uh, an SSD cache. I think it's 32 gigabytes, is it? I'd have to look. But anyway, it's got some, some intelligent caching algorithms, and it uses the solid-state drive for files that are accessed frequently and that would benefit from the faster file access, and it's noticeable. And that's a lot less expensive. The, the Momentus XT 750 gigabyte is under $200. Now, a 750 gigabyte rotational drive is probably a little over $100. dollar so and a, a half, of- actually. They're adding capacity all the time. You know, there's also an option when you buy an iMac. You can get it with the main hard drive and a second hard drive, solid-state 256 gigabytes. It's still a pretty expensive option, and if that was maybe like 100 or $200 more than the basic product, it would be a hot seller. And what would happen and here, of course, all soon. your it will be soon. All your apps would be on the primary drive, the solid-state drive, your operating system, but all your documents and all the stuff that takes up all that space is on the second drive. And this means that much of your performance advantage of the solid state drive is there, 
but you still have the storage capacity of a big, traditional, old-fashioned mechanical hard drive. Well, and that's the way I believe many people are using SSDs today. They'll put their operating system and applications on an SSD and their data, especially their media, on a different drive, a rotational drive. Because the big benefit really in in the solid-state drives is in the operating system and apps. You really notice a big difference, especially launching apps, like launching an app from an SSD, an app that might take 30 seconds to load on a uh, rotational drive will open almost in the blink of an eye and be ready to use on an SSD, maybe, you know, four seconds versus 30 seconds, or even two seconds versus 30 seconds. It's really astonishing the first few times you do it, um, but it's not ubiquitous. Not everything gets to be 10 times faster. So I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of the solid-state stuff as time goes on, and I think in the beginning, the configuration you're describing, where you use a solid-state drive for the operating system and apps and a rotational drive for data, I think that will be popular until solid-state drives are cheap enough that you don't need the rotational drives anymore. It would be great to have all solid-state storage. Your life would be a lot faster. All of your what you do on your Mac, everything would be noticeably faster. Now, if I could put a solid-state drive in my brain and type at three, four hundred words a minute like Superman, but then, of course, the keys would explode. I read in the paper this morning that they succeeded in implanting an electrode in a paraplegic brain that allowed the person to control a robotic arm with nothing more than their mind. That was in the newspaper this morning, in a real newspaper, not a... Not the uh, Inquirer. I thought all newspapers were like that nowadays. Let's look briefly in the next few minutes on what is rumored to be an iPhone 5. And although Bob gets to see pre-release Apple hardware, he doesn't have an iPhone 5 there, I do not think. He hasn't told me. And one of the big speculations here, of course, is that the current iPhone, all of them have a a 3.5-inch screen with a 3 to 2 aspect ratio. And now they're saying, well, they've ordered parts for... A four-inch screen, but we don't know if it's going to have the same aspect ratio or a different one, which would mean all the apps would have to be changed. What do you think about a four-inch iPhone? I've heard it said that because Androids have it, we have to have it. That's probably the worst reason. But I do think that at this point in the smartphone's history, which is only since, what, 2007 or 8, we don't have a very long history, but... I think if you watch the progression of smartphones, you will see that there are now many phones with 4-inch, and I believe there's even one with a 4.3-inch display. There are all sorts of variations of 4 inches. That's right. And then there's the small tablets, which are more like 6 or 7 inches. Anyway, I do believe that there are people who would prefer a slightly larger screen, even if it means a slightly larger form factor. I don't know how I'd feel until I put it in my pocket and held it in my hand, but I sure wouldn't mind a few more pixels on my iPhone screen. My eyes aren't getting any better, so we'll see. I think that's very likely, though. Well, four inches, I I think Apple would be honor-bound here to avoid causing conniptions with developers to keep the aspect ratio the same, which means it'll be taller or maybe it would just have less space for the home button there. So not that much taller, but it has to be somewhat wider. Keep the maybe aspect the ratio the same because if they don't, it's going to be a problem. No, I think that the aspect ratio causes too much pain. It'll still be whatever it is. What is it? Three to two. Nine, three to two. 
So I think uh, whatever they do, it'll be three to two. The home button could go away, you know, or it could become smaller or it could become flat at the end of the screen rather than, you know, taking up that little chunk of palm rest or whatever you call it. They could also palm reduce rest. the amount of space, the area upper on the left and right. If you bring the screen closer, it's basically making efficiencies here. Yes, it's going to be larger, but only slightly larger, because as you say, one of the big problems here with these big smartphones is they could be too big for your pocket. Right now, the iPhone, yes. as it is, is just right for my pants pocket, or any normal pants pocket, unless you're basically corny the clown or something like that. If you're a clown, if you're Clarabelle the clown, and you have the big pockets, no problem, you get one of those five-inch smartphones. Obviously, sticking the thing in the purse. My wife is thinking about getting an iPhone to replace her aging Motorola Razor from three, four years ago. And she says, how am I going to get the thing in her purse? And I looked at it, and actually, the Motorola Razor with a normal case is not that much smaller than an iPhone. You know, obviously, when closed up, not when you open it, it's a clamshell phone. But the iPhone being slightly wider, she worries about that, but I think we can get away with it. Well... You know, like I said, until I've held it and dropped it in my pocket, I can't, I can't really say. I think I would like a bigger screen, and I probably would adapt to the larger uh, form factor, but I'm not positive. And, you know, you don't really you don't mess with success. The form factor of the existing iPhone, the, the candy bar size, whatever you call it, has been quite popular, and... Um, you know, I wonder if maybe there's going to be uh, like a second line of iPhones. I don't know that Apple like wants to do that. XL. Apple doesn't want to do that because they don't want to make things confusing or have an iPhone Pro. But I think part of it is here is that we know that Apple tests a lot of products in-house that are not released to the public. They might be ordering parts for different configurations of four-inch iPhones. No guarantee you will ever see one in your lifetime. But because or it could just be for the Chinese market. For all we, we have know. no idea, because Apple obviously a lot of the increase in their market is going to the Chinese, and they may look and do focus groups there and see whether a larger form factor works. And obviously, Apple does their own focus group with the internal employees and design engineers, but they have to figure out whether that's the size that can succeed, and if not, find something else. Bob Levitas, tell us where we can find more of your stuff. Well, the best place to find my stuff is boblevitas.com, which is where you can find uh, links to buy my books at a discount from Amazon.com, answers to frequently asked questions about your Mac, and much, much more, including a big red button. You can click if you need help or tech support. And you can find more of the stuff that we do at TechNightOwl.com. Once again, that's TechNightOwl.com. We have another radio show, Weird in Wild. It's called The Paracast at Paracast.com. And by the way, if you want to send us a tweet, that's okay, too. Send it to TechNightOwl. To Bob, Dr. McLevitus, thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure, Gene. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.